For wisdom and not reason When you pray Let his name be your petition When you pray When you pray Oh, when you pray Pray, pray Don't show us the way Show us
battle-ready prayer. Praises be to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I give thanks for a mind to pray, a heart to seek your face, and authority to bring my members into subjection. I thank you for this moment and the opportunity that each day brings. I know that each day is special and I am empowered with unlimited potential. There are no ceilings on my life, obstacles that cannot be overcome, or barriers that can stand in my way. In fact, this is the greatest day of my life, and I am free to exercise all of the gifts and talents you have blessed me with. My hopes and dreams can manifest today, and I approach this moment with great expectation for miracles, breakthrough, and deliverance. I stand before you, Lord, naked, offering no excuses or justifications for my shortcomings and weaknesses. I come, Lord, seeking your standard and not those of men. I pray that you will forgive me my sins, known and unknown. Forgive every thought, deed, action, motive, or intent of my heart that is not lined up with your word, your will, or your calling and purpose for my life. Please forgive secret faults and uproot any seed of discontent that has been planted in my life. Forgive me, Lord, if I have held back the tithe, and give me a heart to restore every person that I have wronged. Just as you forgive me, I forgive those that have wronged me, and I let go of any art, bitterness, or ill will that I have held in my heart. I will not allow sin and bitterness to cut off the flow of blessings into my life. I repent right now in the name of Jesus, and I receive the power of the blood to cleanse me from all iniquity. I come before you, Lord, with a heart that is after your own, and a mind that has stayed on you. I thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself and the consequences of sin. I surrender, Lord, and give you total and complete reign over my life. I willingly submit to you in thanksgiving and praise. I thank you, Lord, for the relationship and fellowship that you have allowed me to share with you. I thank you for every moment, prayer, word, and opportunity to gain revelation and understanding concerning you. Forgive me for the times I have taken you for granted or moments where I have allowed my focus and discipline to slip. I choose you, Lord, and all of your benefits and denounce all ties and fellowship with the world. I have no place in the world and denounce everything that it offers. You have given me a choice, Lord, and I choose to be in covenant with you. I have crossed the line of no return, and I will not look back. Each day I am getting more and more like you and growing further and further from this world. My reality in Christ is more real than what my natural eyes behold, and I know that you are not a million miles away. You are right here with me every step of the way. I will have confidence in you, Lord, concerning every situation I face, every decision I make, and every temptation in my path. Give me an ear, Lord, to hear your instruction, eyes that will not be deceived, and a heart that will remain faithful. My life has been built on the foundation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died on the cross for my sins, and your blood was shed for me. I exercise total faith and confidence in my belief that death was powerless to hold you in the grave, and that you rose again and resurrected every dead thing. I receive your resurrection power and declare that there is no dead thing in my life. I speak life in all things pertaining to me. Even now, Lord, I pray that you will breathe life into my relationships, my home, my dreams, my career, and my calling and purpose. Let there be no cracks in my foundation and restore every bone that has been broken. I pray, Lord, that dead branches be pruned for me and my harvest bear much fruit. I offer no resistance and pray that all ungodly distractions be pruned for me. 
whether they are people, unhealthy relationships, environments, dead situations, ungodly influences, or anything that is not expedient for me. I distance myself right now from every dead thing and release them from my life in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that I have inherited life through your sacrifice, forgiveness for my sins through your blood, revelation through your word, and I have been empowered by your spirit. I take precious time, Lord, to fully grasp and consider what my relationship with you means. Help me to never lose sight of the fact that I have an adversary that must be fought each day. My adversary is the world and Satan, who is the prince of this world. The world around me is not my home, and each day it becomes more a reflection of Satan, its prince. I am not ignorant to Satan's devices, and I understand that the world is designed for my destruction. The allurement of pleasure and the temptations that cross my eyes are for the purpose of robbing me of everything I have inherited through Christ. Every trap, every lust, and the pride that is in the world are set against me on all sides. The hope that I have is in patiently walking according to your word and staying firm to the covenant I have made with you. The world cannot strip me of my authority, but I can hand it over. I will not be deceived by what I see, hear, or how I feel. If it is not of God, then it is for my destruction. Help me, Lord, to see the spirit behind the temptation. The word tells me that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I rebuke and bind every influence that seeks to draw me away from you. For it is nothing more than a gateway to hell and will rob me of my eternal destiny. Father, I know you are able to do all things, and there is nothing that is impossible for you. Right now, Lord, I remember my first love, and I am prepared today to exercise faith in the light of circumstances. Sacrifice my own wants and desires in order to embrace yours. Stand on the word of God, even if it causes me to be peculiar. Deny my flesh and feelings, regardless of the temptation, and not make decisions based on what I see or think. I will forget about the past and press towards the mark. I will walk as a prophet of God, put my head up, and if anybody is there to encourage me, then I will encourage myself. I will not be ashamed to follow the examples of Christ, even in the face of persecution. To think differently in the light of the negative labels and slander I may endure. Nor will I be afraid to take a stand in the minority, even if it seems as if the whole world is standing against me. I am willing to abstain when others are eager to participate. To speak out when my words may cause me to be ostracized and to believe the Bible even when it is the unpopular thing to do. In other words, I am prepared to live like Jesus. I release my faith right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever situation I'm in, whatever I'm dealing with, and regardless of what odds are against me, I will be steadfast and unmovable. I am an elite company and encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. The words of this prayer will comfort me, build up my spirit, man, and encourage me in the way. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down Satan and his forces of darkness from any involvement, activity, or distractions in this prayer. I commission my angels to come against every thought, feeling, influence, and hindrance that is set against me. I stand in the gap for my family and friends and pursue the Lord with all of my heart. Even as I hear the words of this prayer, my body is regenerating itself. My body is preparing itself for another productive day. My body is developing according to your plan and health is being released in all of my organs, tissue, bones, bodily systems, veins, arteries, and muscle. My brain is processing the information consistent with your word and filtering out everything that is not of you. My heart is being protected from all ungodly influences and my innocence is being guarded. I have and will always have a sound mind that is saturated in your word. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, 
I rebuke evil spirits from attaching to me in any way, shape, or form. They have no place, familiarity, or invitation in my life. They do not enter into my eyes, my ears, my mind, or my heart. My spirit, man, has victory over them all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down, and break all generational curses. I decree by the blood of the Lamb and the power given to me as joint heir with Jesus Christ that I will not be the victim of physical, mental, or emotional abuse, nor will I have, serve, or entertain idols or false gods. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I decree that I am not a covenant breaker, and my yea is yea and my nay is nay. I pray, Lord, that you protect me from all hurt, harm, pain, and danger, and those that mean me ill will. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have the patience of Job, the meekness of Moses, the heart of David, the favor of Joseph, the ear of Samuel, the courage of Joshua, the wisdom of Daniel, the zeal of Peter, the love of John, the faithfulness of Abraham, and the boldness of Paul. I abide in the fruits of the Spirit all the days of my life, and even now these fruits are growing in me. Lord, help me to be a person of great faith, consistent in good deeds, and a constant encourager. I will continue to love you with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love my neighbor as myself. In the name of Jesus and the power of your blood, I pray, Lord, that you are first in everything that I do, and I have no priority greater than you all the days of my life. I am eternally connected to you and have an expectation in heaven. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that my face be before the Lord always and that your angels encamp around me and deliver me. Order my steps in the word and design my days according to your will. The Lord touches my mouth and puts his words in it. Lord, I will go wherever you send me and speak whatever you give me to speak. I am not afraid of their faces because your sword protects me at all times. Father, you are my sustainer, my provider, my comforter, my guide, my strength, and most of all, my friend. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I equip myself right now with the whole armor of God that I am covered from head to toe in every aspect of my life. There should be no parts of my life that are exposed on the inside or out, but all should be covered by the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I put on the helmet of salvation. I have been redeemed from all traces of poverty, and I rebuke and bind a poverty spirit. You supply all of my needs, and I am blessed all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, I speak abundant harvest in my life. My bank accounts are overflowing, and my barns are full. The blessings of the Lord overtake and pursue me all the days of my life. I speak financial security and wholeness over my family and the perfect will of God in my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and curse the spirit of death. I shall not see untimely death, nor shall death have any hold over me. I shall fulfill all of my days, months, hours, years, minutes, and seconds. I have divine order in my life, and death has no grip on me. A thousand shall fall by my side, and ten thousand by my right hand but it shall not come nigh me. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Peace rests upon me and covers my mind and heart. I have peace in the midst of storms, chaos, and confusion. Your peace comforts me in times of trial and sustains me from being weary. It surpasses all understanding, rendering logic helpless, and my faith sustains me. Father, you are an awesome God. You are not a million miles away, but right here with me each and every day. You walk with me, talk with me, and guide me every step of the way. You love me, and I rest in you, and I know that you are my God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have been empowered with the sword of the Spirit, and I have authority over all power of Satan. I rejoice and celebrate that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
The sword of the Lord shall never depart from me, and I speak boldness into my spirit. I rebuke, bind, and cast down the spirit of fear. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When I walk through the waters, you are with me. When I go through the rivers, you help me. And when I pass through the fire, the flame does not kindle upon me. You have sent your love upon me, and you protect me all the days of my life. The hedge of protection rests on me, and your fire shall be in my spirit. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, the shield of faith is an extension of my arm. My faith shall not fail me, and I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. If you said it, then I know that you will do it. You shall not withhold any good thing from me, and you are able to perform your word in my life. I fortify my faith by releasing the promises of God into my life. Every word you have spoken concerning my destiny shall be established and come to pass, and my enemies shall not prevail against me. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my marriage. I pray that my marriage will continue to be everything that the word of God called it to be. My marriage shall be built on faithfulness, trust, loyalty, and a mutual love of God. You shall be the head of my house, at the center of everything we do, and the word of God shall be the binding and final authority in all matters. I am God's ambassador in my house, and I shall cover my spouse all the days of my life, through my word, examples, character, and deeds. My marriage is blessed and washed in the blood, and shall weather any challenges that arise against it. Our love continues to grow stronger each day as the Lord allows us to see more of him in one another. If I am single, then I confess total contentment within myself, wholeness in my life, patience to wait on God, and security in Christ. I am a person of high self-esteem and significant value to the kingdom. I will not compromise my covenant with God, nor will I allow fear to cause me to operate in the fleshly realm. I exercise complete and total control over my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I do not leave any doors open for Satan to sneak in. I understand that every relationship is not for me. Every person does not have my best interests. All that glitters isn't gold, and every sugary thing is not sweet. In the name of Jesus, I will not be distracted by counterfeits and wolves in sheep's clothing. I will not lower my biblical expectations, nor will I give in to the pressures of the world. I have total confidence in God and the plan that he has for my life. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my children to you, Lord, and trust you to impart me with the ability and wisdom to raise them in the fear of the Lord. I make a commitment to my children to openly receive the instruction in your word on how to raise them, love them, and properly present them before you at that day. I pray that your calling and purpose will be fulfilled in them and ask that you guide and direct me in all matters concerning them. I shall be careful to represent you before them in everything that I say or do. I commit to live holy before them and set godly examples for them to follow. I shall not be a hypocrite, and I shall practice what I preach. I shall be a provider and protector for them and make whatever sacrifices are necessary to ensure them a wonderful life. I shall fight to preserve their innocence and protect them from the brainwashing of the world. My expectation in them shall come to pass, and the blessings set out in your words shall be established in them. My children shall see you in everything that I say and do. In the name of Jesus, I seal my soul to the words of this covenant, that it is the declaration of my heart, that every word be lined up with the perfect will of God and line by line with his understanding. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the final arbitrator of my mind and heart, and that this covenant be in all ways pleasing in the sight of God. I thank you, Lord, that you love me and that you hear me. I thank you, Lord, for a mind to share intimate fellowship with you. I thank you that these words shall be established in my heart and mind, that they shall be a part of me and guide and direct my paths at all times. 
I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this second chance. I look forward to your return, and I know that nothing that I have done or sacrificed has been in vain. Thank you for this life, who I am in Christ, and for all blessings you have bestowed upon me. Amen. Amen. Good evening, and thank you for joining us right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Lane Bible Study Hour. Truly, we are blessed, as we say, we are blessed in the name of Jesus. We are blessed in the name of the Heavenly Father. Amen. That's right. Amen. And if you just join us, thank you. And if you have been with us each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we thank you for that as well. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the promise of Abraham. The promise of Abraham. The promise. We're going to start in uh, Genesis 24 and 1. Genesis 24 and chapter, chapter 24, verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So finally, as God had promised, Sarah bore Abraham a son in his old age. We're going to look at that in Genesis chapter 21 and 2. 21 and 2. 21 and 2. For right. Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, and at the time of which God had spoken to him. And so his name, the baby name, was Isaac. But the story of Abraham is far from over, reaching a climactic movement when he took his son to Mount Moriah to be sacrificed. Isaac, however, is replaced by a ram. So in Genesis 22 and verse 13, you know we love the word, so we go from scripture to scripture. Verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son, which signified God's commitment to bless the nations through what? Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed. So right. Abraham's seed, Abraham, which was Isaac, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that seed, of course, was Jesus in Acts, we're going to go in Acts also, Acts 13 and verse 23. And of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. <clears throat> so it says that in the New Testament. So hence in this astonishing and in some ways troubling story, more of the plan of salvation is revealed. So whatever the deep spiritual lesson here, the family of Abraham nevertheless must have been shaken by it. And the future of Abraham is not clear. 
Sarah dies after the sacrifice of Moriah in Genesis 23, and Isaac remains single. So Abraham then takes the initiative to make sure that the right future will follow him. He arranges the marriage of his son to Rebecca. I'm going to look at that in Genesis 24. I'm going to start in Genesis 24. And I'm going to read a little bit in there. Starting at 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughter of the Canaanite, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, and to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto his land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord God of heaven, which took me, from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying unto thy seed, will I give this land, and he shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So he arranged the marriage of his son Rebekah, who will give birth to two sons, and Genesis 25, verse 21 through 23, 25, and we're going to start at 21 through 23. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb. The two manner of people shall be separated from thy vows. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Wow. So Abraham himself marries Keturah, who will give him many children in 25, 1 through 6. So in other words, he had, wasn't that Jacob and Esau? That's the one that Rebecca and uh, Isaac had. That's why they was fighting in the womb. Right. They were fighting in the womb. <laughs> and you know, that's strange. They have two sons, but in the really, womb together. Yeah, they're in the womb together, but they're going to be two different leaders. Exactly. One younger, one stronger than the other. Yeah, yeah. So, we're going to look at um, what was the meaning of this test in 20, Genesis 22 and verse 1 through 12. 
And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and give thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and claimed the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the, on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad, the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they were both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide him, provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. That, that's faith. That's faith. That's faith. That is real faith. That's faith. With no doubt whatsoever. You know, and that also is, it tells me that was a man, and it reminds me of God giving his only begotten son, son for us. For basically an offering to us to for redemption. Yes. He redeemed us, so he offered Jesus Christ. So, you know, that's powerful. And so, that is the spiritual lesson which comes from an amazing event. So Genesis 22 has become a classic in the world literature and has inspired philosophers and artists, not just theologians, but the meaning of God's test is difficult to comprehend, however. This divine command contradicted the later biblical prohibition against human sacrifices. In Leviticus 18.21, we're going to go to Leviticus. In Old Testament, Leviticus. And it's 18 and 21. All right, 21. All right. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. Neither should I profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. And so in Leviticus 18.21, he said, Thou shalt not let any of the seed pass through the fire. So as it surely seemed to work against God's promise of an eternal covenant through Isaac in Genesis 15.5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, If thou be able to number them, they said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Hmm, powerful. So yes. when was the purpose of God's calling him to be? 
what and what then was the purpose of God calling him to do? And why test him in such a powerful way? So the biblical no notion of test in Hebrew embraces two opposite ideals. It refers to the idea of judgment, that is, a judgment in order to know what is in the heart of the tested one. And that's when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, and to humble thee, and to prove thee, and to know what was in thy heart, whether thy wouldst keep his commandments or no. Compare with Genesis 22, verse 12. So we are comparing those two. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thy anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. But it also brings the assurance of God's grace on behalf of the tested. So in Exodus, I know we're going from scripture to scripture, but yeah, Exodus. Like I'm, I'm, I'm checking. I'm, I can't argue about the point that you're saying here. I'm following you right here. And it's the word. That's the word. And when the word is the word and, and you're speaking the truth, I can't can't even debate with you because the word is, is God's word. That's right. And we're going to Exodus chapter 20. And Exodus 20, verse 18, 20. Oh, 20, I get it. Okay, 18. And verses 18 through 20. Okay, we're 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightning and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And, the Mo and Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God come to prove you, and that this fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. That's what he said. So God also brings assurance of his grace when he tested them. You know, when Moses and he, they didn't want God to talk to them, they wanted Moses because yeah, they were scared. God comes God, or I saw like many, many waters, and, and, and it was so fearful to them. They said all the thunder, yeah, the lightning, yeah, the noise, yeah, and the trumpet. They didn't they want, scared them. Yeah, they didn't want God to speak to them no more. So, well, God, you tell Moses what you want us to know, and that. And let Moses tell us something, because we don't want to hear that no more. That's too powerful, too, too mighty for us. We don't want to hear you speak to us. Speak to Moses from now on, and let Moses tell us the word. Well, uh, what do you want us to know? And when it involved assurance of God's grace on behalf of the tested. So in this case, Abraham's faith in God takes him to the point that he runs the risk of losing his future 
And yet, because he trusts God, he will do what God asks him, no matter how difficult it all is to understand. After all, what is faith? If not trusting what we don't see or fully understand. Yes. That's what faith is. Faith trusting is. what we don't see or fully understand. That's right. That's faith. Trusting what you don't see and what you fully don't understand and uh, trusting in, in that. That's right. You trust in God fully. We say do and that's what we need to do. Also, biblically, faith is not so much about our capacity to give to God and to sacrifice for him, though that has a role, no doubt. But we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans 12 and verse 1. All right, there we go. One. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. So, this is about our capacity to trust Him, to receive His grace, while understanding just how undeserving we are. Right. So trust him. Trust him, right. I trust faith. That's why he said you can't do anything for God. Without faith. Without faith. Because faith is trusting in God. And Believe even though we don't deserve it, we still need to trust That's that right. God is going to do what he said he's going to do with That's his word. Right. Go. Knowing that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Believing that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That's, the, 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 that's what we got to do. We got to trust that if he said it, it's right. going to be then done. Then he'll do it. It's going to be done. That Moses did. Abraham. Abraham did. You got David, Paul, all of them. All they, put they, they put Peter, they put their trust. That's and right. God, they made mistakes. They wasn't perfect. But they still put their trust in God. They were men after God's own heart. That's what they were men after, that was after God's own heart. And this is what we have to be. We have to be a man after God's own heart, knowing that if God said he would do it, he would do it. Yeah, and, and not have any doubt that it will be done. No matter what we feel, is what we continue to believe. And no matter what you've seen, mm -hmm. don't believe what you see, but know what God said. That's right. But see, this truth was reaffirmed in what followed. All the works of Abraham, his many zealous activities, his painful journey with his son, even his readiness to obey and offer to God the best of himself, however instructed, could not save him. Because the Lord himself had provided a ram for the intended sacrifice, which is self-pointing to his only hope of salvation, which is Jesus. Yeah, because um, Abraham didn't know that there was a ram behind him. Sure did. Abraham knew one thing. He went up to it for one purpose. That was the, to sacrifice the, his son. To sacrifice his son. He had laid it all out, got prepared to do just that. Well, God but he knew that God would prepare a sacrifice for him. He, he knew that. 
He wasn't going to have to take his son, but if he did, he was prepared to do it. He was prepared to do it. And say, Abraham must have then understood grace. That's right. It is not our works for God that saved us, but it is instead God's work for us. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 8. Oh, Unto me, whom less than the least of all saints in this grace, given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we're going to compare that with Romans chapter 11. In verse 33. All right, there we are, 33. On all the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Mm. So like Abraham, we are called to work for God which Abraham's actions powerfully, powerfully revealed that. Mm -hmm. So yep. we're going to look in uh, James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Listen up. Yeah, James. Yeah, James. Let's go right here to Chapter 2, and we're going to start at 2. We're going to read a little bit of it. Uh, for if if there a come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring, in goodly apparel, and there coming also a poor man in a vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gate clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourself, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which ye have promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seats. Do not thy blaspheme that worthy name which ye are called. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and do well. But if ye have respect for person, ye commit sin and, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whatsoever shall thy whole law Excuse me, for whosoever should keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, and thou shalt be judged by the law of liberty. For if ye if for it he shall have judgment without mercy, that has shewed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. What though it profit my brethren, 
Though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save thee? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Amen. So in other words, faith is an action word. You can say this and that, and as God tells you, if you offend in one law, you are guilty of the whole law. Mm -hmm. So as we walk by faith, we do God's work. So that is part of faith in action. And right? show, by showing that that you believe, you got exactly. showing that you believe and believe what God says pure. That's well, faith action. without works is dead. That's right. That's action by showing it, believing it. That and that's works. what Abraham did. Yeah, we are called to work for God, which Abraham action. Powerfully revealed that. Like he said, Abraham believed by faith mm -hmm. and he moved by faith. That was actually done what God asked him to do. I could say, Lord, I love you, but then I don't do what he tells me to do. You but don't obey. You don't, the faith is dead. Yeah, you don't obey. Then that's, that's, that's not faith. That's you, right. Yeah, you obey your mom and your dad. Because you have faith and obedience gets you what? Blessings. Things that you want. They give you blessings. Obedience always brings blessings. That's right. So we're going to take a break and we will be back. Don't move that dial. Keep it locked in on LBJ 64 for Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. And we'll be coming back talking again about the promise.
better than that. Everybody in the building, clap those hands. If you know who brought you, I want you to know that. God is And if you just joined us, you are listening to LPJ 64 for Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. And we're talking about the promise. The promise. The promise of Abraham. So we also going to be going back to Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8. So when Isaac asked about the sacrificial animal, Abraham gave him an intriguing answer. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went, so they went both of them together. Yet the Hebrew verbal form can actually mean God will provide himself as the lamb. That's right. And he did provide himself. Uriah is used in what? Using a way that can mean provide himself. So what we are shown here is the essence of the plan of salvation with the Lord himself suffering and pain and suffering and pain in himself, the penalty for our um, sin. So again, even that points to Jesus Christ. Yes. Isn't that something if we, if we could just that, that's beautiful. That's that, that, was. that was beautiful. That was something and beautiful to know that we had a savior. That's right. It was all all everything that's been happening from the fall of Adam and Eve, from the flood and everything else points to Jesus Christ and the plan that he had for us. Yes. It's our salvation. Amen. To know that he had put a plan before Adam and Eve even fell. That's God right. Had a plan. We already knew. He had a plan. So we're going to look in John chapter 1. In the New Testament, there we go. John chapter oh, 1. We're going <laughs> to John, John, John. That's my boy, John chapter 1. 1 and verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word. 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Amen. That's right. And we also, from the look in Romans chapter 5, in verse 6 through 8. 6 through 8, yeah. Chapter 5, oh, right. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For sacrificially for a righteous man will one die. Yet, per adventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So how do these verses help us understand what happened at the cross? Well, we know one thing. We know we wasn't entitled. We were still in sin, and because of his love, he died for us. So those two, I mean, it's a power impact because it all points to Jesus Christ and his love from the very beginning. That's right. In the beginning, that's right. In the beginning was the word. It points to just what Jesus said he was, God in love. That's right. That's what it points to. And it points to salvation. That's right. It's our salvation. So nothing was done because in the beginning, was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's All right. that played a role in the cross in our salvation. That's right, our salvation. The blood. The blood. The blood. Salvation. All of that points to the cross. So the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. Washed us. Clean. The blood. Salvation. Blood. All of that points to the cross. That's where, that's where it all points to the cross. The blood, salvation, Jesus Christ, it's all go right to the cross. And that's why in the sacrifice of Abraham and his son Isaac at Mount Moriah, long before the cross, mm-hmm. the sacrificial ram was caught in the thicket by his horn, was Pointing right to Jesus. It was yeah. It was pointing to just there will be a savior that comes. That's right. That will eliminate that particular animal right there, and he would be the lamb. That's what he's saying, and he is one that is seen here, as Abraham explains later, and the mount where the Lord is seen. The author translation, Jesus himself had pointed to Abraham's prophetic utterance when he said, echoing Abraham's statement in John 8, chapter 56. I'm going to go to John 8, chapter 56. John 8, 56. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we are, 56. As he said, your father Abraham See, pointing back at Abraham. Yeah, pointing back. Rejoice to see my day. And he saw it 
and was glad. You see what I'm saying? He yeah. saw it when the ram was in the thicket. That's right. That's right. And this is what Christ has said. He pointed back to Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And was glad. You see what I'm saying? All this points, everything that has happened from the Old Testament to the New has already pointed to Jesus Christ being on the cross. pointed to the cross. Mm -hmm. It pointed to the cross. It's all leading up to that cross. Exactly. So it was to impress Abraham's mind with the reality of the gospel as well as to test his faith. God commanded him to slay his son. The agony which he endured during the dark days of that fearful trial was permitted that he might understand from his own experience something of the greatness of the sacrifice made by the infinite God for man's redemption. That's why we know Abraham had to agonize and really he didn't want to sacrifice his son but the agony and the pain that he endured also uh, leads to Jesus Christ being on the cross that's the the cross. it's amazing how Abraham seen that afar off far off that's, that, that was the purpose that, that, was, was, the purpose. that, that was, was the purpose that was the purpose right there this is amazing the story of Abraham and his son and all that points to Jesus Christ being on the cross which is a plan of salvation for us. So we look at, um, we was reading Genesis 22 earlier, 20, 22-23, we see the reports of the birth of Rebekah which anticipates the future marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. 22, 23. Right. You are there. And Bethany begat Rebecca. These eight Micah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. So likewise, the report of the death and burial of Abraham's wife, Sarah, in Genesis chapter 23, anticipates his future marriage with the mention of the death of Sarah after the story of the sacrifice of Isaac suggests that she might have been affected by this incident, which almost cost her son's life. In some ways, Sarah also was involved in the test with her husband, just as she was in travels and his occasional lapse in faith. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 12. Verse 11 through 13. All right, 11 and 13. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know what thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul should live because of thee. 
And see that that's exactly that was a what she went through again because of what he did. Yes. So in some way Sarah also was involved. And though we don't know how much Sarah knew about the incident after it occurred, we can infer that she probably learned of it eventually. Sarah was not the kind of woman who would keep quiet on matters that were significant or were disturbing her. Let's compare Genesis chapter 16, 3 through 5. 3 through 5. Mm -hmm. And Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, and the Egyptian. After Abraham Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, Hagar, and she and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into my in thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. And also we're going to read in Genesis chapter 18. Um, Genesis chapter 18 and 15. Then Sarah denied saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay. But thou didst laugh. See, Sarah wasn't the kind of person to keep quiet. She said what she had to she say. Said, she said what she had to say. That's right. So her absence and her silence and even the timing of her death following that dramatic event say more about her reverence to the event than did her physical presence. So the fact that Sarah's old age is mentioned in Genesis chapter 23 and verse 1, 23 and verse 1, and Sarah was 170 and 20 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So that was what chapter, yeah, 23 and 1. In echo to Abraham's old age in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. It shows her importance to the story. It actually does because it shows her age and how old she was. She yeah, was she 100. Mean. And she's 70 and 70 years old. Yeah, seven, she, she was raped. Hey, she was talking to the Creator. She was talking to, to the Lord. Mm -hmm. The man the man that had all the power to do whatever he wanted to do. That's she, exactly right. She, and she laughed at him. She laughed. She laughed. But listen at this. Uh, Sarah is the only woman in the Old Testament of whom the number of her years is mentioned. He didn't say how old Abraham was, no. but he mentioned her, her age. age. Yes. Well, that's well, right. Yes, he mentioned her age. 
And because this also can show her involvement in the story even after the fact. And, and so, uh, I think a woman her age was only when they got pregnant at that age. Well, she was pregnant before 177, but she was up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and both was up there in age. Now, it says the focus on the purchase of Sarah's burial place, which covers most of the chapter, rather than one on her death, it emphasizes connection with the promised land. So the special occasion that she died in the land of Canaan in 23.2, it underlines the ruling of Sarah's death and God's promise of the land. We're going to look at Genesis 23.2. And Sarah died in Kerjath Arab. The same is Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So under the lines, the ruling of Sarah's death in God's promise of the land, Sarah is the first of Abraham's clan to have died and been buried in the promised land. So Abraham concerned about himself, a foreigner and a visitor, and the, we're going to go to four in that same chapter. I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And his insistent argument with the sons of Heath shows that Abraham is interested not just in acquiring a burial place, he is primarily concerned with settling in the land permanently. Yes. So he is acquiring about that permanently, the promised land. Such a powerful story. You know, this has been such an impact, just like with all of them. And you know, the time has already been was already done, but I thank the Lord for the promise that he shows us with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and all the rest yes. of them. Just powerful that that led to Jesus on the cross. On the cross. It all when we get to all of it leads right back to the Jesus Christ. The cross. The salvation. salvation. The plan of salvation for us. Enough. So we just want to thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back again, Lord's will, Friday, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. So we're going to play a song and come back and give you our email and have closing prayer. You know, Paul, you know, we've been doing this thing in a long time. I remember back in the 80s, we would sit in my house and talk about gospel music and how we wanted to be an inspiration. God has blessed us and brought us from a long way. And I just want you to know, Paul, that the only way that a man can get you down, he got to get down with you. And I just want to encourage you today and everybody that's listening, no matter what face you, He's there. If we look up 
he's there. If we look down, <laughs> he's there. And Paul, I want you to join in with me. Yeah, yeah. And let's tell the whole world, people everywhere, that God is there. No matter what the situation is, no matter what the problem is, he's there all the time. Jailhouse, I know he is, honey. 
He's also on your job. Yes, he's right there. But most of all, he's in my soul. In my soul, right there. Won't he make a way for right now? Time. Yes, he's always there. Never leaves us. Amen. Thank you. So we just want to thank you for joining us tonight right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour where we talk about the promise. So we're going to give you our email address if you need prayer, Bible questions. You can email us at robtgina fifty at gmail.com and we just always want to thank you because we love the word and I know we have so many scriptures but we want to let you know we're going from the Bible standpoint straight, not our own self straight, straight from the Bible that's right straight from the Bible the straight truth straight truth that's uh, right we just want to thank you let's bow our heads for prayer I have it in, Father, we come to you tonight. We just want to thank you tonight, Father. Just give you thanks. We want to thank you, Father, for waking us up this morning. We want to thank you, Father, for keeping us through today. We know, Father, we cannot have did or done anything, Father, we hadn't been with us. We want to thank you, Father, for being on our jobs with us. Thank you, Father, for driving us to work this morning. Thank you, Father, for being with our uh, daughters, our sons today, Father, at school. Father, we know that if they haven't been there, the enemy could have attacked them today, Father. They have so many times in so many other schools. We want to thank you, Father, for uh, being at our breakfast table this morning. We want to thank you, Father, for being on our job. We want to thank you, Father, for being with us in our automobile this morning, Father. We just want to thank you, Father, for awakening us this morning, Father, blessing us to open our eyes. Thank you, Father, for just lifting us up out of our bed onto our feet this morning, Lord. We, we could not have been in these things, Lord, if you hadn't been with us. Thank you, Lord, for being who you say you are. 
Thank you, Father, for being who you are. Thank you for being the almighty creator. And, oh, Father, if you, you hadn't been with us, we could not have had our day today, Lord. Thank you for tonight, Father, for being with us, allowing us to be able to join together as brothers and sisters in and lifting you up, Father, together and praising your name. We just want to thank you for this, Father. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be able to meet so many places, not able to mention your name, not able to pick up a Bible reader, not able to talk about you, not able to praise your name. But, Father, we still have that right. Praise your name for that, Lord. Praise you. We just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to thank the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for this night. Amen. Amen. And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings. And have a blessed night. And don't forget to come back Friday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And good night. And good night.